Uh, we're continuing today uh, with a little series we've been doing. Uh, we covered Acts 8, and now we've been covering Acts 10 with this very puzzling vision that the Apostle Peter has. And, um, and the story behind this is this. In Acts chapter 10, we see that Peter goes up on his, his rooftop, which was a living space for them. He's hungry, and uh, during this, this, as he's waiting for lunch, he has this, this crazy vision, which is very, very puzzling. And it says that he actually, he falls into a trance, and he sa- it says he saw the sky open, and something like a large sheet was let down by its four uh, corners, and in the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then he hears this voice during this trance, which says, uh, get up, Peter, kill and eat them, which already is kind of an odd vision if you were to picture that. Uh, and, and Peter thinks it's God because he, he says, no, Lord, Peter declares, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure or unclean. So obviously on the sheet, there's all kind of animals that they weren't supposed to eat. And in, in our modern day world, it'd be things like bacon and and, you know, bacon-wrapped shrimp and pork, those were unclean foods to them. They couldn't eat uh, pork or rabbit or various birds that were unclean. A lot of seafood they couldn't eat. Uh, but he hears this voice that says to eat these things, which, which they weren't allowed to eat. But the voice speaks again. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven Peter was very perplexed. What could the vision mean? And so Peter is confused about this vision, and he's perplexed about this vision. He's trying to figure it out because this would have been an incredibly confusing vision from God. Because, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, there are full chapters in the Old Testament, more than one, declaring that there are certain, for certain foods you can't eat that are unclean, and these aren't just suggestions. This is not just like, you know, God saying, you know, this is not healthy for you, so don't eat them sometimes. This is like God saying things like this, be holy because I am holy. Sounds pretty serious already. You must distinguish between the unclean and the clean, between the living creatures that may be eaten and those that may be not eaten. And Peter would have known his scriptures well that there's chapters, not, not just an odd verse, but chapters on foods you're not supposed to eat. And then in this vision here, God says, eat them. I mean, in this, he hears this voice that says, get up, Peter, and kill and eat them. I mean, no wonder he's confused because there's all these scriptures that say don't do this, and then he has this vision where God says do this. He is confused. And maybe there have been times in your life where you've heard confusing voices from God or a confusing vision, or maybe someone came up to you and says, you know, I have a word from the Lord for you, and you hear it, and you're like, what? That makes no sense to me. I mean, sometimes we, we get confused. I mean, I get confused sometimes when my wife talks to me and she speaks in English and she's talking in front of me. Uh, sometimes I get confused when I'm talking to you guys and, and we speak, you know, I can hear you speak, but how much more with God who speaks in very subtle ways often? He speaks in visions and dreams or maybe he, he speaks to your spirit or maybe he speaks through someone else. I mean, if, if I, I have a hard time or you have a hard time Understanding people who speak the same language, how much harder it is sometimes for us to understand what God is saying when He's speaking spirit to spirit. And, uh, you know, sometimes we, we, we try to 
We wonder, you know, was that God or not? I had three green lights in the row. God, is that you? I had three red lights in a row. That God, must, you must be saying something to me. Or, you know, you know, my bacon's taking longer to cook. Are you speaking to me? Or, you know, we, 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 we try to, I mean, I don't know about you, but, you know, a lot of folks, we're reading into everyday life and trying to figure out, is God speaking or not speaking? You know, is that, that's why the title of the sermon, is that God or was that just the pizza I ate last night? I mean, I mean, I mean sometimes we can be confused. Sometimes it's clear. I mean, if an angel pops up in front of you, that's pretty clear. If God maybe speaks in an audible voice, that's pretty clear. But, but a lot of times it can be unclear. And I've had times where, you know, people have come up to me and say, you know, I had a dream about you last night, Jesse. I'm like, oh, what is it? And they tell me the dream. I'm like, do you know what it means? They're like, no. Do I know what it means? No. It's, it's kind of confusing, but I'll hold it because maybe one day it'll become clear. Uh, so Peter is in the same dilemma, but even more so. I mean, imagine if you have... This, this vision, and God tells you to do something that is against Scripture. Most of us immediately would say, well, that's not God, but in this case, it actually was God because he's doing a new thing. So no wonder he is so confused. He's perplexed. And this kind of brings up the question for today that we're going to talk about is, how can we discern whether something is from God or not? Because again, I don't know if you're like me, but uh, I'm constantly you know, wondering, is God, is that you? Or I'm constantly looking for God speaking in this world and speaking through other people and speaking into my heart and speaking through everything around me. And, and, and it's important that we kind of learn to discern, is, is this God or not God? And, and technically, there are kind of four main voices we hear. Uh, we can hear the, our own voice in our head. I mean, uh, our own thoughts and emotions, uh, we can think about things. I mean, I can think about a purple elephant, and I can think about pizza and a burger, and I can think about there's a f- shiny thing on the floor right there. I mean, those are my own thoughts and emotions. That's not from God. That's not from you. That's me thinking things. And uh, we have our own thoughts and emotions. So there's that going on in our head. And, and then God speaks to us. Uh, you know, my sheep hear my voice. And uh, I mean, the idea that God speaks to us should just be normal for us. I mean, if we talk about having a relationship with God, I mean, it'd be weird to talk about a relationship with God and if you never heard him. <laughs> it'd be weird to say, you know, I have a relationship with somebody, but I've never heard them speak ever in my life. I mean, that's just kind of weird. I mean, part of the idea of having a relationship with God is this understanding that he speaks to us. But he speaks to us far differently than we speak to each other. Again, Romans talks 8 says, you know, God's spirit speaks to our spirit. It's spirit to spirit, not you know, English language to English language. So there are times when we hear God's voice. Uh, There are times when we can hear the voices from the demonic realm. I mean, James 3 says, if you have bitter jealousy, selfishness in your hearts, do not boast and tell lies against the truth. Such wisdom does not come from above, so it's not from God, but it's earthly, natural, and he he says it's actually demonic. And, And we see places in the scripture where the demonic world can actually speak into us. Happened to Judas in John 13. He said the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, that he should betray Jesus. We see at one time, Peter, you know, says, Jesus, that should never happen to you. And, and Jesus looks at Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. It seemed like Jesus was saying that even the apostle Peter was, was listening to the voice of the enemy. And so it's very possible that we too can as well hear voices from the enemy. And then there's the voice of others. This is like peer pressure. Um, and sometimes when we are in a situation, we, we strongly hear the voice maybe of our parents. 
Or we strongly hear the voice of our spouse or the voice of our friends. Like, should I do this? Well, you know, my parents are going to think this. And it's almost like you can almost hear their voice in your heart, to, you know. And, and so we have all these voices going on. It almost sounds like we're crazy. Maybe we are crazy. I'm crazy. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, my thoughts, God thoughts, demonic thoughts, the voice of others. I mean, how do we know if we're trying to make a big decision? How do we know if we need to make a major life change? Or how do we know when God is trying to get a hold of us? if it's actually him or myself or the demonic or... Because Peter could have said, well, this sounds like Satan because he's telling me to go against Scripture. But we'll see Peter actually concludes that that vision was actually from God, even though it was very strange and very complex. So here's just a few things um, that I kind of use as I try to discern God's voice. Uh, First of all, God's voice will always line up with his character. And we know what God's character is because we know Jesus. God looks like Jesus. If your view of God doesn't look like Jesus, then there's something wrong with your view of God because Jesus is the clearest revelation we have of who God is. And his voice always lines up with his character. His voice lines up with the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is stuff that comes from the Spirit because that is the Spirit. And so you know God's voice because his voice will be loving. It'll... it'll, often bring joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. It'll be gentle. It'll be filled with self-control. It's one of the ways we recognize the voice of God. It's in line with His character. Exactly what James 3 says. The wisdom that comes from above, the voice of God, the Spirit of God working in our own spirits, is first of all pure. And it's peace-loving, considerate, it's submissive full of mercy and good fruit and impartial and sincere. And often it is kind of sub- submissive and, and God works in gentle ways. He doesn't control us or force us to do things. I mean, we have free will. We can ignore him or, or choose to follow him. But it's in line with his character or John 10 can be used to discern. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus came that we might have life and have it to the full, that his word will always be life-giving. Uh, the word of the enemy is, is always something that's going to be robbing from your life or stealing from your life or breaking relationship or, or, or doing something that, that robs. The voice of God brings life. The voice of the enemy will, will cause you to, uh, to, to lead it, it leads you to destruction. Uh, secondly, God's voice is, is always loving, not condemning or shaming. And it's a funny thing how often Christians think that that voice of shame or condemnation is actually God. We, we suddenly do that sometimes. And, and part of this is maybe the way we were raised or maybe some people's view of how they teach God, that God is like, he's angry and he's like Santa Claus. He's looking if you're naughty or nice and he's got a big list of how bad you are. And so whenever you hear a voice of condemnation, that's God speaking because he really hates you, you know. Uh, there's that view of God out there, but that's not the view that Jesus presented. In fact, very clearly the Bible says there is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. And so if you hear a a voice of condemnation, you know that's not God. Uh, Romans 10 says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. And so if you're hearing a voice of shame, we know that's not God. And it's funny how we've got to remind ourselves of this because, I mean, so suddenly we can think that voice of shame or condemnation is God, that he's really angry with us and, you know, he's going to punish us and destroy us or something like that. Now, God does convict us, but God's conviction will always lead us to, it, it'll bring peace. It'll, it'll like settle, yeah, I know I messed up there and I hurt that person, but, but I, I, this feels right 
for what I need to do, maybe ask forgiveness or move in that direction, is very different than shame and condemnation. God's voice is loving, not condemning or shaming. God's voice brings peace. Again, sometimes God will tell us to do things that are very difficult. Sometimes God will do things that are like different than what we would maybe choose to do. It doesn't mean His voice is always easy, but there's a subtle thing that will bring peace. And there have been times when God has asked me to do some really, really hard things, things I don't want to do at all, actually. Uh, but there's this weird piece about it. I just, I just know what's the right thing to do. And I just know what's what God is asking me to do because His voice brings peace. As Jesus said, I have told you these things and whatever God is saying to you, it has the same ultimate purpose that in me you may have peace. His voice brings peace. The voice of the enemy doesn't bring peace. Sometimes our own voice doesn't bring peace, and often the voice of others doesn't bring peace, but we can recognize God's voice because it just, it just sits well in our spirit that it brings peace. Or 2 Thessalonians, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way, and at all times means when he's speaking to you. That I'm speaking to you, it's going to be, it's going to be hand in hand with peace. It may be even conviction or asking you to do something hard, but it's not going to be shameful. It's not going to be condemning. It's going to come with peace, and it's going to come with the fruit of the Spirit. Now, let's talk for a moment about God's voice in Scripture, because, um, you know, traditionally, we, you know, and I've taught this lots, because it, it is very true in most ways that, that one way you discern whether it's from God or not is that, that, that it lines up with Scripture. And Scripture is a tool we use to discern God's voice. I mean, after all, 2 Timothy 3 said, Every scripture is inspired by God and useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So surely, scripture is good to help us discern God's voice. But, but at the same time, we know that when this was written, the New Testament wasn't written. He was speaking about the Old Testament, that all scriptures God breathed. And in this case, in Peter's case, God's voice was actually not according to scripture. It was opposite of scripture. So it just makes it more confusing. But Scripture, because it is inspired, is, is a very useful tool to help discern whether it is from God or not. But we've talked about this lots over the last number of months, and you've probably seen this picture before. We know that Scripture is complicated, and we know there's lots of different interpretations and a lot of different ways people can approach the Bible. I mean, it's simple. We just look at how many Christians disagree on pretty much everything, and all the different denominations we have. It shows that the Bible is very complicated. And so when we're using the Bible to discern God's voice, the question is always, what interpretational lens are you using? Because all we've got to do is look at church history and, you know, folks who did uh, the Inquisition, the witch trials, the Crusades, and killed, you know, hundreds of thousands of people, those are people who said, you know, I think I've heard God's voice, and they had Bible verses to back it up. I've confirmed God's voice by Scripture. <laughs> and there's, I mean, people can confirm strange things from Scripture, from violence, and there's other people who can confirm things from the Bible that, that are very loving. So the question always is, yes, it's inspired, but, but if you're using it to discern God's voice, the question is always, what interpretational lens are you using? Because everybody has a lens, and different denominations have different lenses, and different Christian traditions have different lenses. Um, I mean, I tell you the lens I use, because I think it's very helpful in discerning God's voice personally. Maybe you have different lens, but my lens is Jesus. My lens is Jesus. I read the Bible through Jesus. Other people read the Bible through Paul. They read the Bible through Moses. 
But you remember the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus was up there and, and, and Peter, John, and James are there and, and Moses and Elijah appear, the, the writers of the, the law and the prophets. And then Jesus is there and Peter blurts out, and this was his own thought, let's build three shelters, one for Moses, one for Paul, and one for Jesus. In other words, Peter was saying all three of these guys are equal. Moses is a great prophet, and Paul, or not Paul, uh, Elijah is a great prophet, and, and Jesus is a great prophet, and God speaks, and he says, no, listen to my son. Jesus is above Moses. Jesus is above Elijah. He is the interpretational lens. I mean, in Matthew 28, Jesus said, I even wrote the text twice, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Jesus has all authority. He didn't say all authority has been given to Scripture and I'm under Scripture. He said all authority has been given to me as N.T. Wright and Michael Bird, who are New Testament theologians, say Jesus did not tell his disciples that all authority is invested in the books that they would write. He insisted that it was vested in his own person. God himself says this in Hebrews, long ago God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways by the prophets, speaking about Old Testament books. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. The clearest revelation we have is Jesus. And so uh, we just ask the question. We, the, the main question is not, does this voice line up with scripture? The main question is, does this line up with the heart and teaching example of Jesus? Because if we don't ask that question, we can end up people like the witch trials and the crusades and doing all kinds of things. Because you can find texts for violence. People who supported slavery had all kinds of Bible verses to line up. You know, God's telling me that slavery is okay because I have Bible verses. But you can't do that if you go through Jesus. When Jesus becomes the interpretational lens, I tell you, it makes everything so much easier when it comes to, God, is that you or is that not? And so one of the best things you can actually do is to soak yourself in Jesus. Spend lots of times in the Gospels study Jesus, learn Jesus, soak yourself in Jesus. I mean, it says that he is the foundation, <laughs> that he is the cornerstone. And the more we get to know Jesus, the easier it is to figure out, you know, what scriptures are for today and which ones aren't for today. It's easier to figure out, God, is this from you or is this not for you? Because does it line up with Jesus? Does it smell like Jesus? Does it taste like Jesus? And in the end, this is what Peter does. Because again, God tells him to do something against Scripture, but what God is telling him is exactly in line with Jesus. Because Jesus was bringing in a new covenant, a new way. This is exactly what Philip the Ethiopian eunuch did. Because again, Philip the Ethiopian eunuch felt God was leading him to do something that, again, his Scripture said not to, but it was the way of Jesus. And so Philip does that. And, um, and so get to know and recognize Jesus. I mean, you recognize the voice of those who love, who you love the most. And, uh, you know, I can recognize Marie's voice anywhere. I was in a crowded room, <laughs> people chatting and yelling. If she was talking, I'd, reckon, I'd vo recognize the voice of my kids. I'd recognize the voice of some of my close friends. And, and the same with Jesus. The more you get to know Jesus, the more you recognize his flavor and you learn his story and how he interacted with people, again, soak yourselves in the gospels, then when God speaks to you, you can say, even in the crowd of all those voices, I recognize the voice of Jesus. I recognize the voice of the Father. I recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit because I've spent time soaking myself in the clearest revelation of who God is, and that is Jesus. So get to know him. And lastly, you want to look for confirmation. 
the more risky something is, the more confirmation you will need from God. I mean, what God was asking Peter to do was incredibly risky. <laughs> I mean, he was risking himself being stoned, according to their tradition. He was risking, because he was like, do I really go against Scripture? Do, do I really risk this? If Peter just would have gone out, uh, it would have been foolish of him. But we're going to see that Peter actually receives confirmation after confirmation after confirmation that this was right. I mean, if you ever feel God asking you to do something risky or really challenging, look for confirmation. I mean, in my opinion, it's foolish, unless, unless you're really sure it's God, to step out and do something that is super risky unless you have received confirmation from God. Because most of the time in the Bible when we see God asking for risky things, God provides plenty of confirmation. And God is into confirmation. In 2 Corinthians 13, uh, you know, this voice, uh, this verse here was reflective of Old Testament verses as well, that every matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. In, in other words, when, when God gives his voice, he's often going to give confirmation, and two or three other witnesses are confirmations. The whole ministry of Jesus was this. One of the reasons for miracles was confirming that the, the message of Christ was real. As what Hebrews 2 says, God confirmed the message by giving signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit wherever He chose. That these were signs to say what Jesus is saying is, is legit. And I'm going to confirm it because what Jesus was saying was risky. Because He was constantly going against Old Testament Scripture and, and making a, a whole new realm, a whole new covenant. Very risky, but He confirms it. And when God speaks something difficult to you or challenging, He is going to confirm it. And we see this in, in our text here. So Peter says, no, Lord, I'm not going against Scripture. I mean, be holy as I am holy. I'm, I'm not doing it. I've never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure or unclean, but the voice spoke again. So God doesn't just give it once and say, you need to have faith, Peter. You better go with it. You better listen to me the first time. No. God knows this is risky and hard, and so God says, I'm going to tell you again. Second time, uh, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times. I mean, it, it'd be awkward for Peter if God just said it once, and then it's like, God is like, well, Peter, you better have faith. <laughs> you better just go with it. I mean, that's risky, but he repeats it three times. Then, as he's perplexing over this vision, some people show up at just the right time who are kind of the fulfillment of the vision, which we'll talk about next week. And if you read through the whole story, we see that God confirmed this message seven times because it was so risky. <laughs> because it was, God was asking Peter to do something which was entirely against the grain of all his tradition and all his learnings and all his understanding of God. So he says it, confirms it seven times. He does it three times by repeating the vision three times. Then he has these folks show up as a confirmation. He has angelic confirmation. Then the Holy Spirit's poured out on the Gentiles, which is confirming the vision. And then he has confirmation from godly counsel seven times. I mean, if you feel God is asking you to do something risky, look for confirmation. We see God does this to Moses when he asked Moses to do something pretty risky. I mean, it's pretty risky, you know, if God showed up to you and says, you know, you need to go take on a, you know, Pharaoh. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty risky, taking on like, the largest army on the planet in those days, and it's just you and your brother. That's pretty risky. 
God confirms it to Moses by the staff that becomes a snake and through various miracles. Uh, perhaps the best example of this is Gideon. The story of Gideon, again, God is asking Gideon to do something very risky. He is asking Gideon, who Gideon saw as like the least person on the planet, but I love the story because God says, oh, mighty hero, and that's the way God looks at us when we think we're nobody. God sees us as heroes. He saw Gideon as a hero, and he asked Gideon to, to free the Israelites from the oppressive Midianites. Again, imagine if God shows up to you and is like, you need to take on the, you know, the strongest army in the world right now. It's like, that's pretty risky. That's pretty foolish, and that sounds stupid. And that's what Gideon thought, but he's like, God, I need some confirmation. So he says, uh, give me a sign that is really you talking to me. Give me, I need a sign. I need some confirmation because this is really risky. God does not look at Gideon and say, well, you just need to step out in faith and you need to trust this was me. And I know this is risky, but you know, you got to walk by faith. No, God graciously gives them confirmation and not just, but lots of confirmation. I mean, it says the Lord waited for Gideon to return. That's what was one sign because Gideon asked that. And then, and then God burns up Gideon's bread and meat. That, that's a pretty big sign. That's a, a miraculous sign. <laughs> I mean, if you had food in front of you, also they start on fire from heaven, you think that'd be enough confirmation. Uh, but Gideon is still like, this is still risky. Uh, I need some confirmation. And then there goes the famous story of the, the fleece. You know, you know the, the phrase of putting out a fleece comes from this story. And so God makes the, the fleece wet and the ground dry because Gideon is like, God, if that's really you, can you make this fleece? I'm going to put out a fleece. And if it's wet in the morning, but the ground is dry, I will know what is of you. And God does it. Three confirmations. But you know, this was still difficult for Gideon. And then he says this. Then Gideon says to God, do not be angry with me. Let me just make one more request. That was Gideon's view of God. And sometimes that's our view of God. <laughs> when we ask for confirmations like, oh God, you know, I'm sorry, I, don't have, I have a lack of faith here. Could you just please give me some confirmation? <laughs> God graciously gives it. God doesn't say, you know, I'm angry with you. He doesn't say, you know, I'm frustrated with you. I've already given you three signs. How dare you have a lack of faith in me? God is so gracious because God is loving and he's good and he's wonderful. Again, he says, allow me to, uh, allow me one more test with the fleece, but this time make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew. That night God did so. Only the fleece was dry and all the ground was covered with do. So Gideon says, just one last sign and I will be convinced. And God does it. You think God would be finished? What's interesting in the story is God himself, with his own initiation, even though Gideon didn't ask, God gives another confirmation out of, out of his free will and free choice. I mean, at the end of the story, you hear that, that Gideon hears his men overhear a dream from the Midianite camp, which is a, a very clear confirmation that God was in this. And he, and he hears this, and I mean, God is just so gracious giving confirmation. I mean, I mean, if you think about your own child coming up to you that you love, and you tell them to do something risky, and they're like, are you sure, Dad? You know, and, you know can you explain this a little bit to me? You're not going to be like, how dare you? You've got to listen to me once. I mean, we're going to go, no. I mean, this is, I know you're scared, and I know this is hard, but let, let me reassure you somehow, you're going to do that as a loving father. And God is that way. He's a gracious, loving father. So if he's asking you to do something risky, uh, trust that God will bring confirmation. But the reality is sometimes we don't want confirmation <laughs> because sometimes 
we are like, I just really want this. I know it's risky, but I really want this in my own heart. And so we just either make up confirmation or we just go ahead really quickly because we want it. And this is where patience is required because sometimes we actually do need to wait on the Lord. We tend to be far more impatient than God is. Uh, you often see in the Bible God speaking way ahead of time, giving us lots of time to have confirmation, to settle in, to give it back to God so we can give it back to us so that we can go out in, in time. And in the end, you know, it's okay not to be 100% sure. You know, sometimes we're like, I don't know if I should step out because I'm only like, I'm 80% sure this is God, but I'm not quite sure. But lots of times in the Bible, we see folks stepping out and they're not 100% sure it's God. Some of our heroes, I mean, we see this all over the place in Acts, in Acts 16, for instance. It says, after Paul had seen the vision, he received the vision from God. But obviously, it wasn't 100% clear because it says, you know, they got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding <laughs> that God had called us to preach the gospel. He wasn't like, I'm 100% sure. It's just like, I concluded, I think this is God. I wasn't 100% sure, but he goes out. Even in Acts 15, when they have all the head honchos of the church get together, you know, all the, the, the big Holy Spirit-filled people to make this big decision, at the end of this, the phrase is this, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. It wasn't like, we're 100% sure this is God. It's just like, it seemed good that this was God, and, and they went with it. And God honors that. When, when you are like, I'm not sure if this is you, God, but I'm going to step out anyways, God honors that, even if you kind of mess it up. I mean, it'd be like if you, you know, ask your, your toddler who's maybe just old enough to get you a cup of coffee, and you say, you know, hey, hey, son, can you go get me a cup of coffee? And, and, uh, and they come back, but they put too, way too much cream, and, you know, they put salt instead of sugar in it or something like that. I mean, you're going to go, oh, that was a really good try. You missed it, but I'm so pleased that you, you stepped out and tried. And, and God is like that. I mean, we, we don't ever, I mean, rarely probably get it 100%. I mean, we're frail and we don't always hear things. And again, we have all these different voices going on in our heads, some of us more than others maybe, but, uh, <laughs> but we don't always get it right and that's okay. And in the end, a quick way for, this is the way I do it. You know, is this from God or not, especially if it's in the moment? Because sometimes you're talking to someone and you feel God wanting you to say something to that person in the moment, and you don't have time to go home and, you know, pray for 10 days and get confirmation, you kind of need immediately, is this from you or not? And, and I just use this command because it's the one main command that Jesus gave us. If you were to sum up all the life and ministry and teaching of Jesus that led to this one command, would you love people deeply? And, and if you hear God speaking to you, it just say, does that line up with Jesus and his love. Does it want me to love this person more? And if it does, I'd go with it because it doesn't matter if it's from God or from you or from other people. If it's loving, go with it because that is what Jesus asks us of, of us. Does it, does it line up with Jesus? Does it line up with this one command? If you have time, if it's something big and God's given you something that you can think about, I mean, often it, it's good to maybe go through a process like this. It can look a bit differently, but you could write down what you think God is saying and ask this question, does that line up with Jesus? You can ask this question, what will happen if I follow his voice? Does it lead to more Jesus-likeness or does it lead to less Jesus-likeness? Uh, do I have peace about this? Uh, is there anything more you want to say about this, Jesus? Ask him questions about what you thought you heard. Uh, maybe you want to spend time in worship and connection and, and check again, like, like, God, I just give you this back to you. I'm not sure if this is you, but I'm just going to worship you and connect with you. And sometimes, like Peter, God will give it back to you. 
God gave it back to Peter three times. Uh, you may want to ask, you know, what do other godly followers of Jesus sense from God? You know, go to people who you know are filled with the Holy Spirit and are, and are little, running after Jesus and say, you know, I felt God say to this me, what do you think? And then you can ask God for confirmation. Say, God, I'm freaked out. I don't want to do this. But if this is you, would you give me some confirmation? And then you wait and you just see what he is about to do. But in the end, if you forget everything I've said, just get to know Jesus. Get to know him deeply. Study the Gospels. Saturate yourself in him. Because more than anything else in life, that will help you understand the voice of God. So Father, we thank you. You sent Jesus. It was the clearest revelation of who you are. It was the clearest revelation of how we know whether something is from you or not. God, I thank you that you left us scripture. You left us the gospel stories that we can sit in and read and study and saturate ourselves in. Hey, God, we thank you that you speak. God, we thank you that in those moments of pain, in those moments of joy, that you just subtly speak into our spirit, that your spirit ministers to our spirit. God, we thank you that you don't leave us nor forsake us. And God, we, we thank you that you help us to follow you and to understand you. And so God, we ask blessing on us as we, we struggle to figure out sometimes whether it's from you or not. And I thank you for your patience in all this. And God, we know that you are good. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.